This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 75, The Gao Rao. As we begin, there is a term that may initially seem unrelated to this subject that is very important to understand a term coined in the 1890s to describe the methods employed by two rival New York newspapers, yellow journalism. This is a term that we use to describe journalism that foregoes the focus on fact-finding, editing, and peer verification that we have come to expect in modern newspaper. These gold standards in journalism were frequently ignored in this day, and the focus was instead placed upon appealing to readers at any ethical or moral cost. Exaggeration, scandal-mongering, and sensationalism were the words of the day. Whether unfortunate or otherwise, this practice so common at the dawn of the 20th century is inextricably linked to the field of cryptozoology. Some like to imagine that, as writers and researchers in this field, What we do is a hard and fast science, that we are merely tasked with the discovery of unclassified species. While this is absolutely a noble pursuit, and it is certainly part of the job, in our opinion it misses at least half of the point, and it just might be the most important bit. So much of this field relies on, and even exists within, legend and folklore. While this is often used by critics and skeptics as ammunition, they are misreading the situation terribly. The fact is that there isn't a social scientist alive that wouldn't back the vital importance of legend and folklore in the creation and maintenance of social identities. All this to prepare you for the fact that the creature I am about to describe, the tale that I am about to tell, is often written off as a prime example of early 20th century sensationalism. It is often written off entirely, simply based on the medium and time period in which its identity was initially discussed. So keep one thing in mind as you listen. It doesn't matter. When people think of the rugged wilderness of the United States, it is common to hear about the Rocky and Appalachian mountain ranges. But an often overlooked and equally awe-inspiring piece of North American geography lies almost dead center in the heartland of the continent. The Ozark Mountains, or the Ozark Plateau, is a densely forested set of highlands covering over 50,000 square miles from St. Louis, Missouri in the north to the Arkansas River in the south. It is here, in this only large section of extreme topography between the coastal ranges, where legends of one of the most fearsome beasts ever described by man have been passed around since its origination by locals who have heard and seen things in the forests of northern Arkansas that conventional biology has failed to explain. The Ozarks, and Arkansas specifically, is absolutely packed with urban legends and folklore describing bizarre creatures of every shape and size, but the most extraordinary among them just might be the Gaurau. This immense oddity is believed to be a 20-foot-long reptile-like creature with two enormous tusks, 10-inch long claws, and a razor-sharp spear at the end of its tail. On January 31, 1897, the Arkansas Gazette published a story that would illustrate the beast and preserve it in the annals of our collective history for over a century. An article by Elbert Smithy 
contained a sketch of a creature dubbed the Gaurau, as well as an account of the first known encounter with the creature. A recent transplant to the Ozarks region from Little Rock, William Miller recounted a story to Smithy regarding a harrowing experience with the beast. While traveling from town to town in search of work, Miller came upon the small town of Blanco. He quickly found that the town had been plagued by violent attacks on their livestock and pets for months. A veteran hunter and outdoorsman, he agreed on a price with the town elders and quickly assembled a group to hunt and kill whatever predator was causing the loss of life. After an arduous three-day trek into the Arkansas forests, they discovered a set of tracks that none of them could believe. Four-toed, with massive talons so large a man could sit inside of them. Just the sight of these tracks forced a split in the group. Nearly half of the well-trained outdoorsmen considered the trip too great a risk, and packed up to head back home. But Miller and the, quote, seven least fearful men to ever live, traveled on. After another day and a half of tracking the beast through the dense Ozark wilderness, the group's goal, however ill-advised, stood before them as they finally came upon the magnificent monster. At least 20 feet long with, quote, tusks the size of a big man's leg, deeply curved claws and a row of bony spikes protruding along its back and tail that ended in a sharp spear-like point. A blood-curdling guttural screech filled the air as the men rushed from their cover positions and began launching volley after volley of fire toward the beast. In an explosion of animalistic rage, the whirlwind of tusks and spikes came bursting forward. It tore through their front lines, goring men left and right. After taking more than 20 rounds of fire, the beast finally succumbed to its wounds and collapsed on top of Miller's best man. In the chaos of the battle, Miller himself had sustained several injuries, including broken ribs, a series of deep lacerations along his left side, and three irreparably damaged fingers on his right hand. Wounded though he was, he and three other survivors of the melee managed to drag the behemoth off freeing his man, who would later have his severely damaged leg amputated. The body of the beast was cut into pieces and packed out like an overlarge game animal. Miller explained in the interview that he packed the monstrosity piece by piece and shipped it to the Smithsonian for proper examination. Later, representatives of the Smithsonian would deny ever receiving any such creature. In the mid-1920s, folklore researcher Vance Randolph found and documented evidence of the Gaurau dating back to the 1870s. He claimed that this was not a singular beast, but a species that sparsely populated the forests of Arkansas. A species whose young were hatched from soft-shell eggs the size of whiskey barrels. His writing specifically cited an encounter that a spelunker had with the beast in Devil's Hole Cave in rural Boone County. After weeks of hearing the monstrous growl that would come to be its moniker, a close friend of the landowner offered to explore the depths of the cave. He was lowered some 200 feet into the mouth with nothing more than an encased candle. As he neared what he believed to be the bottom, a terrible hissing noise filled the cavern around him. He cried up to his friend to pull him up and never returned to the cave. Some time later, the owner and some local men tied a flat iron to a rope and lowered it in. They heard that tell-tale hissing sound, and the rope was nearly jerked from their hands. After retrieving the flat iron, they found it to be severely bent and covered in deep scratches and teeth marks. These events do not mark the end of bizarre incidents reported in the area. While many attribute the majority of these events to the better-known and previously discussed Ozark Howler, it would be within reason to credit at least some of the odd trail cam footage, terrifying sounds in the forest, and what can only be described as full-blown bluff charges perpetrated by entities that managed to escape visual confirmation, to other creatures in the Ozark's pantheon of paranormal prowlers. In March of 2005, 
A strange creature was spotted several times by a family living north of Avoca, at the northern edge of the Boston Mountains. They determined that the best course of action would be to set out trail cameras, after numerous sightings of what they believed to be some sort of alligator. Considering the fact that alligators are not and have never been native to the region, even this sighting had them flustered. They assumed that this had to be an escaped pet that belonged to one of the more eccentric folks living deeper in the countryside. While the husband and wife team worked to establish a grid of cameras across their 10-acre property, they had an encounter that neither of them will ever forget. They recounted the event recently. Quote, The woods felt weird that day, just off somehow. Honestly, at first, I wrote it off as having a big breakfast and feeling sluggish. But my husband felt the same way. The air was heavy. It's that same feeling you get in the woods when you know something has its eye on you. My husband, he's a big game hunter, so that's a feeling he usually likes because it means that there's probably game around, but it was pure discomfort to me. To me, it sort of felt like we were the game, you know? So he was about 30 yards ahead of me, setting up a camera. I was pouring coffee from a thermos, just watching the woods, and I heard a branch snap. I don't know if it was underfoot or broken from a tree, but it was loud. It scared me. So bad that I dropped the thermos and ran ahead to him. He had heard it too. He'd already drawn his pistol when I got to him. If it was just a branch snapping, that would have been fine, but it didn't stop. More snapping branches came right after. Heavy footfalls. Something big was clearly moving through the woods, and it seemed like it was headed straight for us. Now, I've been around wild animals. We've had bear encounters up north, and those were scary. But the fear that I felt that day was something I've never experienced any other time. Suddenly, all the commotion in the woods stopped on a dime. The woods were silent. And I mean not even a bird singing in the distance. And then it hit us with this growl. I guess you could call it a growl. We used to live up in Idaho, so I... I know when I'm hearing a bear. It was similar, but there was something ragged and hissy about it. Like a like a hiss was mixed in or a howl, I don't know. But we hightailed it out of there after that. We had heard quite a few stories about the Galrau since we came to the Ozarks in the 90s. But after that, I know it's real. Whether you find tales of the Gaurau to be improbable or fascinating, it has an important place in the history and folklore of Arkansas, and the Ozarks region in general. What matters more than determining the true nature of the beast is the impact that legends like this have had on the culture that they exist within. While the legend of the Gaurau may be lesser known to many of us, to the people of northern Arkansas, the folklore endures. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. All right. So today we're talking GoPro. Or the Gal Pal. The Gal Pal. All right. No, it was Gowrow? Yeah, Gowrow. Yeah, because I wasn't sure if it was Goro. Goro. Like Mortal Kombat, the, yeah, the forearmed yeah. dude from yeah, Mortal man, Kombat for sure. I always think of that scene from the '90s Mortal Kombat movie. Oh yeah, where where he beats up the guy. He's like holding him with his bottom arms and punching him with his top arms. Yeah, he was always beefy in the games, for sure. In that movie, you know, it doesn't get enough credit. I don't yeah, think. I was always a fan awesome. of uh, Katana in that movie. Yeah, yeah. That movie had some awesome practical effects, too. It did. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was decent. I loved it yeah. at the time, for sure. Same. But anyway, the Galrao. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> We're not here to talk Mortal Kombat. Unfortunately. unfortunately. <laughs> yep. Yep. But no, uh, yeah, I like I like this one. I just like the, 
the description of this thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's wild. He kind of reminds me of like a walrus and a lizard mixed. A walrus? Yeah. Oh, cuz the tusks. Yeah, cuz the tusks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I'll give you that. <laughs> it just I imagine <laughs> have you seen Kevin Smith's tusk? Oh yeah. All right. So, uh Justin Long's character when he becomes the tusk or this uh, what I whatever I can't remember exactly what it's called. Um, Werewalrus beast. Yes, I imagine yeah. that, but like a little bit more skinnier with some legs okay. and a speared tail and some spikes. Yeah, and green. Yeah, I always picture the Gaurau being green. Maybe green, maybe brown, maybe like a poop sure. brown. Reptilian for sure. Yeah, right? of course. But- I think I I think of it as green because it's so visually close to the hodag, and the hodag is green. Hodag, yeah. Like, I mean, that's something we definitely should talk about is the hodag, which is a legend from Wisconsin. Which you know, just just a hop, skip, and a jump away from yeah, Arkansas, not, not too far. Um, well, I mean, and uh, okay. yeah, it's a ways. It is. <laughs> I thought you were going to say from here, but uh, yeah, from there it's significantly further. Yeah, but the hodag is considered like one of the fearsome critters, like the lumberjack lore critters. And um, I think probably that's where the origins of the Gaurau legend came from. Is like okay, it probably just slowly spread as like lumberjacks made their way south and west. They took, you know, a lot of those stories with them. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's why it's so similar. For sure. I mean, that's fair. That's fair for sure. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these, I think, share a lot of, a lot of their origins with each other, you know? Yeah. Common Um, social ancestry. Exactly. And then they just slowly develop into their own thing. Yeah. They like take on take on new attributes and new regions and they become their own thing. The same reason there's like 150 different Bigfoots. Big feet? Yeah. I always go Bigfoots. I mean, Bigfoots sound better, I think. (laughs) Because Big Feet, (laughs) I just imagine like just a ton of Big Feet. Yeah. Just out there stomping all over the place. (laughs) You know what what else the Gowrel reminds me of? What's Do that? you remember the the animated movie from the 90s Heavy Metal? No. Oh man. That was like such a marker of my childhood. I watched it so many times. Huh. But okay, so I know that we'll have listeners. I'm, I'm going to look it up very right quick. Yeah. I know we'll have listeners that remember this movie. There's a scene where they're like sneaking into this compound on this like other planet and they're with this group of like local mercenaries or whatever and they're familiar with this monster or whatever that they're about to face that guards the entrance or whatever and there's a translator and he's like describing it and he's like there's a legend of a beast with teeth six inches long and he like goes back to the other guy and translates again and he's like sorry 16 inches long (laughs) and it's like this huge it's basically the Gaurau. It's like a huge quadrupedal lizard thing with like spikes all over it and giant tusks and teeth and all right. um but yeah, that's another thing I always So picture. it's this uh, animated yeah. movie. Okay. Yeah. Dude, it's right. so good. If well, you haven't seen it, watch it. We'll have it. to check it out. I I don't I'm not familiar with it unless like I I might I don't know, to be honest. I can't say. It might ring some bells when you know. It's definitely for adults. Apparently, John Candy was in it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Lots of lots of famous voices you'll recognize when you're. But like, there's you know, sex and extreme violence. Yeah, I, I kind of got that. Music. There's like girls that are half naked in just the trailer. Oh yeah, it's an incredible movie though. That in itself makes it worth watching. <laughs> I was watching that shit when I was like 12 years old. <laughs> Definitely should not have been. But Probably not. I've seen that so many times. What is times the rating on this movie? Definitely R. Is it? Yeah, it is R. You're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it came out in 1981. Wow. Yeah. 
It's solid, solid, dude. It's so good, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely <laughs> check it out. Includes digital master audio mastering. Louder Shit. and nastier than ever. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to describe a movie. <laughs> All right. That's well, awesome. the GoPro. Yeah. The Gowrow. That one. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of kind of prepping for this episode. I was, you know, just uh, just familiarizing myself a little bit more um, with some of the some of the you know, base encounters like um, yeah. We had what was it the the first, I guess, initial encounter being what the William Miller encounter. Yep, and that's where yep, he that basically was the big one that blew it up. Yeah, found like formed a group and they just went after this guy. Yeah. So was this just his like? Was he just trying to make money or just so see himself in the community for the time since he was going from place to place like or did he just right. hear something he's like man i'm just looking for some action i'm gonna go out and find some people <laughs> to do this no it was like the end of the 19th century this guy's like traveling around just t- doing odd jobs going town to town and he's an experienced hunter and outdoorsman he's a survivalist type dude which big most game hunter back then. <laughs> no <laughs> probably um but when he gets to this town, he realizes, you know, what's going on in the town. That something, I think he is probably assumes it's going to be like a pack of wolves or, you know what I mean? Is like yeah. terrorizing the livestock and stuff around this town. But he, you know, gets a lot more than that when he gets out there and starts finding prints. But like, I think he was really was just doing odd jobs in each town that he stopped in. I mean, that's and fair. Yeah. That was one he felt suited for, so he put together a posse and went after it. It worked out for him, and then... Uh, do you know how many people were originally part of the group? Because it, it was eventually dwindled down to, like, him and seven of the meanest, toughest of the of them all, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was... Originally, he describes, like... He, I think he says, like, a dozen or so. Okay. I think that's what how he words it yeah i think like the other guys obviously you know they 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 were smart (laughs) because i don't know i mean especially seeing some seeing prints of what i imagine like this you're out you're out there say they were expecting like some wolves or a bear or something like yeah that's gnarly in itself but then you come upon something that's like completely not what you would expect yeah I would have turned back for sure. They find a footprint that they can sit inside. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's a damn dinosaur. Yeah, basically. Massive. <laughs> I I do like the idea though of when when they like engage and and battle with this thing. Like shots are firing like left and right and you know like just kind of paints paints the scene really well. And then he ends up like crushing through like the front line of defense but yet they still manage to take it down yeah it's it's a pretty gnarly battle that they have yeah without a doubt yeah this i mean this thing is an enormous lizard like it's not at all what they were expecting so how many people were left out of the group after this happened so him his um his like right hand man who lost a leg right yeah and then um three others okay so five people out of the eight that's i mean that's i can't really say that's not bad because that's still pretty bad but yeah hey it's at least you know over half the group you know the the ones who went back home they're like yeah we made the right call oh i'm sure (laughs) yeah they're like sitting sitting peacefully in their beds like huh wonder what's happening right now yeah. But those guys are long gone. Meanwhile, this main dude got all fucked up in the fight, too. Like, sl- like huge, sl- like, lacerations on his side. He, like, his right hand was never the same. He, like, messed up three of the fingers on his right hand permanently. And, um, oh, yeah. And then a bunch of, like, crushed ribs. He got, yeah, he got pretty mangled. I highly doubt. He ever sought out anything like this again. 
Like, he, he goes into a town, hears of livestock being terrorized by something, he's probably like, let him be. Let him yeah, be. he's like, no, I'm just looking to stack lumber for a couple days. <laughs> like, whatever you right. need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm i sure this, like, fulfilled his lust for adventure for life. I would hope so, man, because that's, yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah, I, that's a wild encounter. I just, I, I just couldn't imagine being willing to want to go after something like that but you know i guess they were looking they were looking for a payout right so like i said i don't think he realized what he was signing up for (laughs) (laughs) i'm surprised after they see it they weren't like nope 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 going home right like fuck this they suck it out you gotta you gotta give them props for it yeah i mean they they definitely finished what they started so let's talk uh yeah, let's talk about the the researcher. What what was his name? Vance Randolph. Okay, cool. Um, so basically, he was a guy who his he was a folklorist, and he like he wrote all about the Ozarks. Um, he eventually it was mostly articles, like in um, Journal of American Folklore, and you know other dialect notes and all these. Um, publications from the 20s and 30s was where he you know contributed mostly but eventually he released this book in the 70s called Pissing in the Snow and Other Ozark Folk Tales that's quite the title alright yeah it was a national bestseller really yeah it, like did really well that's that's surprising actually yeah um but yeah, he was super into Ozark folktales, and he came up with this theory about the Gowrow that it was that it wasn't just one beast, basically that it was like this small group, like a, a breeding population, right? Yeah, them. and that's where you get the cool visual about the eggs the that eggs are like and... the size of whiskey barrels. Yeah, which I mean, that to me I think is really cool because again, it kind of it paints it paints a picture more, right? And I just yeah. think of uh, I just think of these these giant eggs that if you play World of Warcraft, I just think of like uh, like whelp eggs. Um, and so that's that's all I can all I can think of when when you're kind of are describing that. It's also very Jurassic Park. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, except I mean, well, you know, those eggs weren't quite the size of like whiskey barrels and stuff like that. Yeah, but we weren't seeing like you know Brontosaurus eggs. True, true. Or yeah, I know we did see a Velociraptor. Yeah, so the Velociraptor monster version. <laughs> oh, I still think so, a Velociraptor would be more badass. I yeah. guess Jurassic Park Velociraptors, because unfortunately, yeah, not the not the feathery chicken size. Yeah, I don't believe in that, anyways. <laughs> Dude, we could go on a whole tangent on archaeology and all that. Like, yeah, without um, a doubt. Yeah, because I mean, I don't agree with it. Wait, what's the study of dinosaurs? Paleontology. There it is. Paleontology is like the has the most guesswork of anything that's considered hard science. Yeah, ever I mean, true. So. They're basically just like playing fast and loose with the facts. I don't believe any of them had feathers unless they were birds. <laughs> I think you're wrong. No, I'm right. I know I'm right. You might you might definitely be no. wrong. No. Nope. I think most paleontologists agree that that the vast majority of dinosaurs had feathers. I don't think they do. At this point. I mean, the thing is, <laughs> you can't know. My favorite thing is when paleontologists get into like talking about behavior, yeah, of dinosaurs. Like, of course, there's no I mean, fucking like, way to know exactly. I mean, it's 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 a lot of a lot of guessing. Yeah, it's all guessing because I mean we can judge by the size of their brains and different things like that, right? Whether the, they had like forward-facing eyes and right, of all course, that, you like, know, different features. But like, how can I mean? That's like saying, like, because this person wears glasses, I bet they don't have a girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. Or I bet they read a lot of books. (laughs) 
because they had glasses. Right, exactly. I mean, um, like, stupid stuff, you know? It's just, it, which is silly. Yeah. But, you I mean, know. the behavior stuff is 100% guessing. Oh, it is, for sure. It's, and that seems to be what they love to talk about the most. What? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they really do move in herds. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Anyhow, besides that. So yeah, one of the major um one of the major cases that that Randolph talked about when he was coming up with this theory because there was this big, you know, the bigger one at the end of the 1800s and there wasn't really a whole lot of like substantial encounters for a, right. for a long time. So a lot of people thought like this was one thing that someone encountered and it's dead now and gone. But then Randolph uncovered this this encounter in Devil's Hole Cave mm-hmm. in Boone County. Okay. And this is where the one where we have the guy that volunteers to go basically get dropped into this cave. Yeah. Which is And before insane. he can right, I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. I I don't know who would volunteer for that, but you know, whatever. Um, but before he even makes it to the bottom, he's hearing this like hissing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then like immediately, he, he didn't even give it time. Like, come on. Yeah. He's like, get me out of here. Fuck this. Wait around. Like, see what's down there. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Dude, re- you have to remember the reason why he was being lowered in the cave in the first place was because they were hearing growling coming from inside this cave. That's right. already well, called Devil's Hole. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, just stick me down there. I mean, he should have at least some idea of what he's getting himself into. That's so crazy. And if he volunteers, he should go all the way. I wonder if they thought, like, maybe a dog fell down there or something. And, like, that's what the growling was. I don't I don't know. Maybe. You know, it reminds me of, like, Mel's Hole on, like, the old Coast to Coast story of Mel's hole every time like he would have Mel back on the show to give an update they would have people calling in volunteering to be lowered into the hole <laughs> and Art Bell's like yeah I think you ought to think about that before you volunteer see that's 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 the thing though is you have so many people willing and you know thinking they're willing and ready to do these things like where's your follow through yeah a man finishes what he you starts. Know? Exactly. <laughs> you don't just go in to breathe in the air and leave before anything happens. That's true. We need a better. You're story, there to like it. see what's going on, right? Like, yeah. Come on. But they did eventually lower, like, uh, they call it a flat iron, but it's basically like just a big flat piece of steel, like. Um, and they tie that to a rope and lower it down there. And apparently whatever was down there fucked it up, like bent it and scratched it all up. And mm. yeah, we don't get much uh, up beyond that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, obviously there's something, but maybe they just like hit some, like some stuff along the way. Yeah. And <laughs> didn't realize it. <laughs> Could have been. They're just banging it Maybe. all on the sides all the way down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like nobody's got a steady hand and come <laughs> to find out, oh man, something happened here. Yeah. Well yeah, if you would have like lowered it down a bit slower and been more careful. I probably would have been perfectly fine. Imagine them lifting that back up and this this like thing is on it. Yeah. Imagine how messed up that would be. Right, you lift it up and the Gowrow's just like perched there on the flat iron waiting to jump you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that'd be gnarly. That'd be a stellar scene to watch in a movie, though. It would. It like slowly comes up out of the darkness, and as soon as they realize what it is, it just lunges they, for like, them. They like let it go, but it just jumps and yep. Yep. Eats them up in one bite. Perfect. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. That would be solid. So, like, well, I think we have a, I think we have a movie now. We yeah, can, exactly. We can start doing movies. The Gowrow. <laughs> I'm sure, like, I'm sure we could get it on like Shutter. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, get like Bloomhouse to produce it. 
Maybe sell like copies of it in you know the dollar dollar stores. Yeah, on the little <laughs> the little tourney thing. Yep, a little turnstile. Nah, we, we probably wouldn't even be able to give it away. Yeah, probably not. We don't have a great track record with movie making. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh actually I I've been meaning I'm wanting to find that home sweet home yeah. horror movie that we made. Yep. That's one of my goals, like, is I'm uncovering all these, like, old videos and stuff. Dude, if we find that, we have to, like, edit it and put it on the YouTube. Oh, you bet we will. That would be incredible. Yes, for sure. <clears throat> That's so a goal. Good. Yeah. That is a goal. I'm into that. Um, okay, so, yeah, this is all we get from this encounter, unfortunately. I wish, like, right. wish there was more to it, but... That's but he cited. It's surprising that, that there's not though. Like that's, I know. that's just what it comes down to. That's I guess that's why it's so aggravating, right? Yep. It's yep. it's just a letdown. This is like a big tease. Yeah, basically. So he cited that as evidence that it was that they were still out there. Yeah. Now I do like the idea of of them being them. You know, being like. A group a species or you know like a group of these things versus this like one-off scenario yeah me too it makes more because, sense yeah exactly i mean if there's one there's there's bound to be others with everything also if you hear the story enough times like you're you know you have a chance a chance at experiencing it true i mean that's that's how I see it at least like it it became like a staple in the region like uh yeah an actual like urban legend like right up there with the howler for the Ozarks really for a while it it died off over time for sure but I mean it's the Arkansas Ozark so I'm sure yeah yeah that's like the that's the deep south of the Ozarks yeah it really is yeah yeah. Um there have been other encounters reported like the one that I found. And that one but th- there's so much time in between. Yeah. That and that last one, right? Yeah. Absolutely. The last one was what in 2005? Yep. Yeah. So I I feel like there would at least be some some additional reports even if it's just like heard there's a gal rail last night. I'm sure there are. See, I think one of the most interesting things that she said when I was talking to her was that they moved to the Ozarks in the 90s and they heard stories about about the Gowrow all the time. Like, it was like common conversation. Unless it's like one of those old, you know, just again, folklore, urban legend sort of things yeah. that have gotten passed down and nobody's seen in the last hundred years. Yeah, but are you still talking about it on a regular basis like that if it's something that isn't happening anymore? If you're trying to keep no. your kids at night and you know in the house at night. I mean that might that might be the whole purpose to begin with, right? <laughs> right Other than bored bored lumberjacks coming up with Isn't that always grade. the possibility in a case like this? Yeah, of course. Of course. So like in this this two thousand five experience, they they don't other than seeing pictures every once in a while, like that got them out there in the first place. Right. They like, yeah. Cause they were, they were what originally hanging up like field cameras and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, okay. and they, you know, they spotted what they thought was like an escaped alligator. They don't, she didn't really explain it beyond that. Um, but that, but that's what they thought they were seeing. Um, so they went out there and like set up a grid of trail yeah. cams, or at least that was their plan until they had this experience. And then I think they kind of abandoned it. Like they just didn't go out for a while out in okay. the woods for a while after that, but they don't actually see it in the encounter, but they're right. both they completely just... convinced that's what it was. Well, I mean, they're hearing just the sound of like well and this sound is getting closer and closer but like these tree branches 
snapping and breaking and things like that, you know? Yep. I mean, it lets you at least know there's probably something out there. Yeah. And the growl. And then they hear the growl, right? Yeah. Like, loud enough to scare them. Yeah. Out of the damn woods. I mean, yeah, because that's going to be different, you know, like, I've never heard an alligator growl. Me neither. (laughs) See, the alligator hiss. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was getting ready to ask, like, what specific sound does an alligator make? But I guess it would be a hiss. Yeah. Okay. They definitely don't growl. Right. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You see an alligator's like, yeah, buddy. I feel like a growl is something generally associated with, like, mammals. Right? I mean, to an extent, like, uh,. I mean, huh, I'm trying to think of yeah, <laughs> some growls that lizard isn't a that growls, but I don't think there are any. Yeah, that's what's weird about it. Like, that's what makes you think that it's like something, you know, otherworldly, right? It has those like mixed features. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe this was like this, the, the result of some weird mating act that uh, succeeded. Yeah. Like the uh, Honey Island Swamp Monster. It's like half Bigfoot, half Lizard Man. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that basically what this is? With tusks? Sort of, but it's also quadrupedal. Yeah. Right? Like, I wouldn't consider this humanoid at all. That's fair. Yeah, it's basically... I, I, I didn't think of it like that either, so... Yeah. It's a big fucking dinosaur basically yeah yeah true I mean see and it's very reptilian it is even further proof the dinosaurs weren't birds (laughs) I don't know if that's proof (laughs) it's probably right up there with most of the proof paleontologists use yeah so yeah I thought this and like she told me this she she recounted her you know her experience to me on the phone and yeah you could tell that like she was still like fucked up about it like i mean yeah i'm sure telling like any story like this is gonna bring up some of those like i'm sure in in a situation like that it would be somewhat traumatizing like yeah you know may not like wreck her for her whole life but there's gonna be some lasting effects of it yeah, you, I mean, you could tell... It, I mean, it had been, like, what, 15 years later. And you could tell that it, like, still scared her to talk about it. Yeah. Which was interesting. It's something I definitely took yeah. away from the conversation. Because, like, she I mean, that's just... definitely experienced something out there. Right. I mean, she's obviously very, you know, was... It was that impactful that... And it affected both of them. Yeah. Not just her. Like, even the part where, you know, she runs to the husband and he's already got his gun out. You know, his yeah. gun ready to go, right? Yeah. Um, I yeah. Mean, so, I mean. It's important to also to note that these are not like, you know, a couple of city folk who moved out to the country and the first time they heard a bear growl, it freaked them out. Like, these are experienced outdoors people. Like, right. They knew their shit. And, like, like big hunters. Yeah. They um before they moved down to Arkansas in the 90s, they lived in Idaho and they were like avid elk hunters and hunted bear and all that shit in Idaho and they like they were experienced. They they knew what the normal wildlife sounded like, you know. Right. They they knew what they were doing. They knew what to expect being yeah. out in the woods and stuff like that. Yeah. And it terrified them. So I'd say that's that's a very notable encounter. Yeah. That adds to the realness of this, possibly. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree with that. But, I mean, overall, I consider the Gowrell, like, almost... I don't know why I do, but I still kind of consider it sort of a one-off. Like... Really? Okay. Just because it's, like, it's very, like... 
in the pantheon of cryptid stuff, it's very like it's way down there. It's not one that gets talked about a lot. It yeah. just has a, a handful of encounters. The one in the middle may or may not even be a Galrao encounter, you know? All right. Um, I mean, they nobody actually reached, you know, reached the bottom of that cave. Nobody knows for real what was there. Yeah. So, I I don't know. I just think of it as a really fun one, the Galrao. Yeah. Because it's like, it's so far away from the normal, even the normal wildlife that exists in that area. You know, like we talked about the Ozark Howler in this region. And it's like, is it a bear? Is it a cat? It has antlers. It's like, right. It's stuff that could easily be confused for the wildlife that Something is there. Something else, right. Yeah. It'd be really easy to hear a weird sound and then see a bear in the distance and go like, oh shit, that's a, that's a howler. You right. Know? Especially a bear that's standing in front of a tree with like two perfectly placed limbs <laughs> that look like antlers. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it, I'm just saying, like, it's very easy to confuse those types of things. Yeah. But a 20-foot spike-spined lizard is pretty fucking wild. Like, you're I not mean, yeah. you're not going to mistake sure. that for something else. You're not going to, like, see an elk and mistake it for the Galrao. <laughs> you see that giant lizard? Actually, that was just a deer. Right. That was just a pile of raccoons. That was actually just a little bunny. <laughs> You say a pile of raccoons? I did. <laughs> Excellent. No, it's it is it's it's very playful, and I I do like that about this one. Is it's, it is very playful? It's a uh, a really cool description. Like I said, I really dig like the description of the eggs and stuff, and then this being like you know a possible family thing. I don't know if I would you know if I like the whole one off idea of it, but that might honestly make it better. Yeah. Just because, like, it, you know, adds to that much, I guess, adds that much more to, like, the playfulness of it and, you know, just being this crazy thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, to be completely honest, I don't know if it's, like, a biologically real thing at all. It definitely, like, it definitely could just be this cool legend that got pulled from the lumberjack lore. And like what, like we mentioned in the beginning, the yellow journalism that was going on then, like they, he definitely could have just written a story to sell some papers. Honestly, my, my gut tells me that's, that's all it is. Yeah. And it like blew up the legend. And I think like maybe some people have had some legit encounters along the way or experiences along the way based off that. There was, there was another story of of this guy claiming to have caught one and he had it on display um he had it like captured and would allow people i think it was like a quarter to come and see this thing nice and he would like walk behind this sheet or this curtain or whatever and then he'd come back with his clothes like tattered and you know <laughs> torn and all this stuff and claim that it got away Nice. And so people would eat it up thinking, oh my gosh, this is real. This is crazy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it reminded me of the Jersey Devil. Oh, yeah. Like, so I, I, I kind of put these in the same category. Yeah. You know, like to me, I think they're just these, uh, just these things that were made up to sell some newspapers at the time. Yeah. Probably wasn't doing very well. And like you said, with yellow journalism and stuff like that, like it was a very high peak for things like that to be, oh, yeah. uh, you know, they were, they were, yeah, it was happening all the time. Absolutely. And so I definitely have to agree. I definitely don't think it's like biological or anything like that, but yeah. nonetheless, it's still a neat story. Yeah. It's just an I, awesome, I think it's really cool. Yeah. It's an awesome piece of American folklore. Yeah. And just again, like, like talking about things like this, make me want to come up with something on my own. Yeah, you should. I'm going to. <laughs> I fully encourage it. I think I'm going to call him the Boogaloo. Yeah? That's yeah. good. That's a good one. <laughs> you heard it here first. That's the thing. Tune is in like, next week for the Boogaloo. Oh, man. Henry Zabrowski made one up. I'm trying to remember. Oh, Skunjili Man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And it's very like, um, it's very, um, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's very like, um, Slender Man esque. Like, yeah. Anytime someone brings it up, he's like, don't say it. Don't say it out loud. You can't say its name. Yeah. Or you'll summon the Skinjili Man. <laughs> I just love the name. That's so funny. I know. I, I encourage you to research it. I guarantee you there are creepy pastas written about it already. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Like and that's the thing is like you post this somewhere. I, I you, you could post it on No Sleep Reddit or something. Just a quick little story. Yep. And it, it's gonna it's it's gonna get out there. It's yeah. Just, it's a life of its own. Yeah, for sure. Which is the so whole we'll idea, see right? Well, this will be a, this will be an experiment. Yeah. We're gonna try it out. I'm into it, man. Come up with something. We'll we'll brainstorm it. We'll All right. work. I've one got out. some ideas already. Okay. So make sure to watch out eventually. Excellent. Probably not next week. Probably not. <laughs> but <laughs> No, but uh yeah. No, I, I dig it. And that concludes episode 75, The Gowrow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week. And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.